MIT, NYU, UCLA, and your favorite non-Ivy school here. The schools in the Ivy League are exclusive, expensive, and the subject of a young lifetime's worth of achievement anxiety and test prep frenzy. If you are an Ivy aspiring high school student, getting into one will likely require prodigious feats of book learning, test taking, and extracurricular activity doing hitherto unknown to mortal teenagers. You may, for example, have spent the summer between sophomore and junior year studying the bassoon, in Spanish, in Paraguay, in order to be able to sit before the Princeton administration's lady and, when asked to tell her something about yourself, reply, I spent last summer studying the bassoon, in Spanish, in Paraguay. You may have acquired two weeks of enrichment during freshman year's spring break by working as a line cook in a Turkish refugee camp. You may have won a plaid belt in saber tossing by age 11. In your spare time, you may have sought and won first prize in the school science fair by teaching calculus to a flatworm. To you, as to your peers, childhood has been a series of auditions with ever-increasing stakes and all with one goal in mind acceptance into an Ivy League school. If you get in, you'll be relieved, if exhausted. If you don't, you'll be suicidal. Perhaps you've already received the coveted thick packet of welcome, or, alas, the dreaded skinny envelope of rejection. Whichever the case, you're going to want to read what follows. So will your parents. Naturally, everything they've done for you since your birth the encouraging, the paying, the attending, the schlepping to practice and rehearsals and lessons and games, the haranguing, the tutor hiring, the homework checking, has been a selfless act of dedication for your benefit alone. And even if it hasn't, even if their egos and self-images have been wrapped up in your academic achievement, so what? Why shouldn't they, in taking pride in you, take pride in themselves? Similarly, if your rejection by the Ivies makes you question your worth as a human being, fear for your future, and despair of existence itself, why shouldn't they feel the same? They do. Or they will. It is for them, too, that this book has been written. Even the sure thing families who take acceptance for granted, Ivy grads whose kids are all but guaranteed legacy admission, rich people identified by college development departments as likely sources of handsome donations, Rich people whose surnames already adorn a campus hockey rink or library. And yes, even students already enrolled in one of the Ivies will benefit from the following review of some of the Ivies' work product, faculty members, donors, and founders. Because, spoiler alert, it's not all Nobel Prizes and Wall Street fortunes. In fact, your precious Ivy League has inflicted on American society some of the worst killers, criminals, and moral reprobates in its killer, criminal, and moral reprobate-rich history. An Ivy education doesn't force you to become a hideous person, but it doesn't necessarily prevent it either. And yet, oddly enough, none of these facts are disclosed at Harvard's get-acquainted dinners or during Penn's campus tours. No one during a whiffin'-poof concert or a halftime of the Columbia-Brown game reminisces about sociopathic alumni. Why? Who knows? In any case, that's why we're here. What follows is a smart shopper warning to those applying, a count your blessings consultation to those who have been rejected, and a watch your back caution to those already attending. Sure, every college and university produces its share of monsters. 
but it takes these eight golden institutions to produce genuine Ivy League monsters. Read and learn. Dr. Keith Ablau, B.S. Brown University. When Brown University dies and goes to heaven and stands before St. Peter to account for its sins and misdeeds, it's going to have some explaining to do about Dr. Keith Ablau. Ablau graduated magna cum laude from Brown in 1983 and followed up with an MD from Johns Hopkins Med School in 1987. Impressive. He then went on to write for numerous publications to co-author a book with a noted sobbing conspiracy maniac Glenn Beck and to host his own television talk show and to attain a lucrative career as the official psychiatric spokesperson for such penetrating, not at all intellectually disgraceful shows on Fox News as Fox and Friends, The Five, and The O'Reilly Factor. In so doing, he...